On Sundays, when I've been here, we've been on a a series that we're calling um, the Temple of the Holy Spirit. If you go to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, we'll read our text again. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he says, uh, Know you not... And you'll find he uses that phrase repeatedly in this passage. We would say, don't you know? Don't you know? And why would the Spirit of God keep saying, don't you know? Because they either don't know or they're acting like they don't know. But they should know. Don't you know? The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, Abusers of themselves with mankind, keep going, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now really, this is, you're starting off in the middle of a passage here. He had already been talking about some of these very things in chapter 5 and in previous places. And he goes on, talks about more of them in chapters 7 and 8. He said, and such were some of you, were being the operative word. Such were. And that would be true with us today. If you're born again and now you're walking with the Lord, well, there's been some major changes. But prior to that, you were a bunch of different things. <laughs> right? But again, the word is were. But now you are washed. I was not so good, but now I am washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And if we were some of the same things that he's talking about in that list, then you ought not be hypocritical and judge people that are that way now as though you never were. I mean, yeah, but that's a long time ago. That's back before I got saved. Well, maybe same thing with them. Before they got saved. Only it's just a 20-year time difference, but it's the same deal. No, no. No place and time to judge. We were a bunch of stuff. But the Lord saved us. Washed us. Helped us. And whatever he did for us, he'll do for them. And we need to show mercy. Not that we approve everything they're doing, but we're not going to judge them either. And we, we fully believe that if God had mercy on us, he'll have mercy on them. Now keep reading. He said, uh, he said, all things are lawful to me. And if you look at other translations, that's worded as a quote. That he's quoting them what they said. All things are lawful to me, but he says all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and belly for meats. We'd say food. If the King James is talking about what we call meat, it uses the word flesh. But meat, I know that sounds strange, but that just means foods. It could even refer to bread. But food for the belly... And the belly for food. Again, that's 
in, in a lot of translations, that's written as a quote. That he's, that's what they said. And he says, yeah, but God will destroy. The word destroy is really, it's the word render useless in time to come. Both it and them in time to come will still get to eat. Jesus ate in, with his glorified body. But digestion will be different. A lot of things will be different. He said, uh, the body's not for fornication, but, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, why is he saying that? Because if you back up to chapter 5, they were having issues. They, in Corinth, this was the, um, a hot spot for the worship of Aphrodite, and they had temples, and a big part of that cult and worship was sex. And they, there were some thousand plus temple prostitutes just in the city. And so that's, that's what they did when they went to temple was have sex. And, and so what the people that are in the church at Corinth, they're not long out of that. Hadn't been long. So that's what their parents and their parents' parents did. And so they got a saying in the church there that food for the body Body for food. And that all things are lawful. Or that word can also be translated allowed. All things are allowed. All things are permitted. And so the Spirit of God is writing to them and correcting them. And telling them, well, no, no, the body's not just made for eating. And the body's not just made for sex. He said, verse uh, 14, God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. This body, put your hand on it somewhere, touch your, touch your body. This body, this one, the one you can touch, is a permanent part of Christ. You see, a lot of people don't believe that. They said, oh no, Brother Keith, I'm getting a new body. Mm, it'll be this body glorified. This one. This body has been bought and paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That makes this body important. Now see, this is a sharp contrast to their kind of thinking. They're trying to say, oh, this body is just temporary. It's no big deal. It's made for eating, sex. It doesn't really matter that much what you do with it. And he said, no, no. The Lord raised up Jesus' body. Do we believe that? On the third day, his physical body was literally resurrected. Now, if you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. Are y'all with me now? Somebody said, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, but I, I'm not sure about the virgin birth or the uh, uh, resurrection. No, you can't be a Christian, and you're not sure about it. No, you're not. There's some things that are just not optional. You either believe it or you're not one. So Jesus was literally, physically resurrected. His body was dead, but it was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. 
And right now at the right hand of God in heaven is seated a flesh and bone body that you can touch just like this. But it's been glorified. So it is not corruptible and it is not mortal. It is not subject to any aging or disease or weakness. It'll go on eon after eon. And this says the Lord raised up the Lord. He will also raise up us by his own power. Do you believe that or not? That ought to excite us to no end. Say it out loud. The Lord. God. Raised Jesus' body. And he will also. Raise my body. This body. He will glorify it. He will raise it from the dead. And change it. Immortal. Incorruptible. So this life that you're doing, you and I are doing right now, this is the shortest thing we will ever do. This, you know, you, you trust the Lord and walk with Him. With long life, He'll satisfy you. But a hundred years plus is the blink of an eye in eternity. And it'll soon be over. And even uh, if the Lord hadn't come returned yet and they bury this body, they put it in the ground or whatever they do, it is not the end of this body. It will be raised from the dead. Why am I talking about this? Because you want to start valuing and appreciating this body now. Now, and that's what he's talking about. Keep reading. Keep reading. He said, Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Not just your spirit. Your body is a member of Christ. Shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot, a prostitute? Like we said, there were a thousand of them in the city, and that's what they were used to doing. He said, God forbid. We'd say, no way. May it not be. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Keep going. What? Don't you know? So we said that phrase you keep seeing. Don't you know? He was joined to a harlot is one body, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Now, he, he didn't say it was the unpardonable sin. He didn't say they were lost. What's he saying? Quit doing it. Realize what your body is. Realize who you are. And make a change. Start valuing your body. See, when you value your body enough, you don't do a bunch of things with it. That you shouldn't do. You treat it like it's important. You treat it like it's valuable. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Keep going. Flee fornication. Every sin a man does is without the body. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Same kind of thing we're just saying. You know just having sex with anybody you come across. That's not realizing how valuable your body is. It's treating it like it's nothing. Keep going. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you and you have of God and you are not your own. Now see, this is completely contrary to what you're hearing in the world. 
What do you hear all the time? It's my body. It's my body. Well, then you must not be a believer. You must not be a Christian. If you are, you, you, don't you know? <laughs> right? Don't you know? <laughs> You're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. And really the words in your spirit are not in the original text. Because that's not the emphasis. He's emphasizing your body. Glorify God in your body, which is God's. And we gave you some things earlier in the series. I want to repeat it. Because if you don't get this, if we don't get this, we'll miss out on the things that should follow. Concerning your body. Number one, be thankful for your body. I want to hear you say it out loud. Thank you, Lord, for my body. Do you have any other bodies? If you lose this one, can you hang around on the earth? Uh-uh. You're done. If you lose this body, you're, this life is over. And I get it. I got a body too. They are in an imperfect condition. They are affected by the curse and sometimes we haven't cared for them very well. And so the condition of it may not be that great. But you need to distinguish between the condition of the body and having a body. The condition is changeable. God can heal you. Is that right? God can heal you. You and I can make some changes. And the condition can change, but that won't happen. You won't have grace to do that if you're not even thankful for it. Everybody said out loud, thank you, Lord, for my body. I'm thankful that I can have a life down here of service to you and help with the kingdom and be with my family and friends and accomplish something. And get some reward. I couldn't do any of that. Without my body. Thank you for my body. Thank you for my hands. My arms. My feet. My legs. My heart. My lungs. My brain. My head. My blood. My nerves. Thank you Lord. Thank you for my body. Thank you for this vessel. And it is. The temple. Of the Holy Spirit. Who lives in me. And I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. And so I will. Glorify God. In my body. In my body. See if you. Uh, if you appreciate your body. You don't mutilate it. You don't cut it. You don't burn it. See doing these kind of things. Means you're listening to the enemy. You're being deceived. And people do things. Suicide. Is a, a full on expression. Of body hatred. And self hatred. You don't have a right to cut your throat or or shoot a bullet through your head or hang yourself. It ain't your body to mutilate. 
It's been bought with a price. Is that right? We should ask the Lord before we do anything with his property. Most folks haven't thought like this. But does the Bible say this? Is this New Testament? Is it right? So number one. I know I keep going over it, but there's reasons why. Be thankful for your body. I want to hear you say it out loud again. Say, I am thankful for my body. Thank you, Lord. It's the only one I have. Amen. It's far more important than any other possession. Far more important than a house or car or clothes, or land, or jewelry, because if you lose this one, you won't need a car. They'll give you a ride. <laughs> Is that right? On a one-way trip? You won't need a house? Is that right? Only need one suit? <laughs> like one fellow said, you, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. For my body. And then the second thing we said. Is how you speak. Over your body. And about your body. Don't mock it. Don't make fun of it. Don't ridicule it. And don't say I hate my. Whatever. Stop that. Stop that. And if something's not working right. Don't hurt yourself. Speak words of faith over it. Even call those things that be not as though they were. Call it strong. Speak to your kidneys. Tell them to work perfectly or your lungs. Say, be clear. Talk faith to your body and only faith. And then thirdly, treat it well. Treat it right. Just like, you know, we clean up the, the church building and if something's wrong, we fix it. And something needs to be improved, we improve it. Well, this is not the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is. So the Lord's helping us. Is that right? And a lot of times people immediately try to go to the natural things. Oh, well, it's exercise. Well, it's diet. Listen, if you don't get the part I'm talking about now, you won't be successful with the other part. You won't have the grace to get to any change. That's not where it starts. And that's not all there is to it. The big thing is always spiritual. What's the first thing we said? First thing we said. Are you? Are you? That's just a little weak. I'm looking around. If you lose this one, what are you going to do? You got to leave. Is that right? You can't hang around. You'll have to leave here. Say it another time. I am, I am very, thankful very thankful for my body. For my body. It, is it is an eternal part, an eternal part of, Christ. of Christ. Hallelujah. It's been bought. And if you say, well, I... I don't like that. I, I was looking forward to getting a new one. Listen. When the Lord gets through with this one, he gets through glorifying it, you're going to be a happy camper. I'm telling you, you're going to be very, very happy. And you could be a lot happier even now if you quit griping and complaining. Right? <laughs> and start being thankful and let the Lord show us and help us. Glory be to God. Go with me, if you would, to John, the 17th chapter. Well, I tell you what, go to the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians. I know not everybody's been with us, so I'll do a little bit of review. 
The, the thing that worked into that passage in chapter 6 talking about the body, you got to understand what happened in chapter 5 that led up to it. In um, chapter 5, verse 1, he said, it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. Now, fornication is sex, but it's sex outside covenant. Marriage is covenant. And sex outside covenant is called fornication. Sex between people who are already in covenant with somebody else is called adultery. But it, all, it has to do with covenant, marriage. He said there's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. And such fornication is not even as much as named among the Gentiles. He said... Uh, People outside the church don't do this. And he said that one should have his father's wife. So I won't go through all of it again, but if you look in 2 Corinthians, there's verses that reveal that his father is still in the church, I guess, there and alive. But I guess all three of them are in the church there at Corinth. The man's father and the man who's now living or married to his stepmother. And uh, this is happening in the church at Corinth. But now before we go further. What do we know about their mentality? All things are lawful. All things are permissible. Now where would they get that? Probably if you ask them. They would say from Paul. Because he preached grace. But they didn't get the whole thing. <laughs> and they didn't understand. He said, uh, verse 2, he said, you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that's done this deed might be taken away from you. And so the Spirit of God really corrects them. And by the end of the chapter, he tells them to put them out. Put them out of the church. Now, um, does that sound like love and acceptance to you? <laughs> Now see, there's a reason why I'm saying this. Because there's all kind of people saying, well now, 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 now. Jesus preached love and acceptance. They'll even add inclusion. Inclusion and, and love and acceptance. I know years ago I heard somebody saying that on TV. Actually it was an unbeliever trying to correct a preacher. And telling him, now look, Jesus preached love and accept. And while they were saying it, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice. He said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. What? That's not what I preached. I, I sat back in my chair and I thought, okay. So what, what did the master preach? I went back. I went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John looking. And I realized that's not what he preached. He did not preach love and acceptance. Now see, that sounds shocking to people. <laughs> Y'all are too quiet. <laughs> you got a Bible. Look this up for yourself. He preached the kingdom of God and repentance. Now is repentance the same thing as acceptance? No. 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 See, don't let unbelievers tell you who Jesus is. Right? 
Don't let unbelievers tell you who God is. How do we know who God is? Who Jesus is? Number one, by his written word and by his spirit, which is going to always completely, entirely agree with what he said in the written word. So uh, we took time a couple of weeks ago. We went back to Leviticus 18. There was a specific scripture in the word in Leviticus and also Deuteronomy that forbade you having sex or being married to your stepmother. There are verses in the Bible that forbid it. So are all things lawful? (laughs) Are all things allowed? See, they're saying all things are allowed. So then how do you have scriptures that says this is not okay, but then you got a whole church, a whole New Testament church at Corinth are going, it's okay. It's okay. You have to ignore the word. You have to be ignorant of the word and or you have to reject the word and replace it with something else. Now, uh, for time's sake, go with me to 2 Timothy. I know I mentioned John, but uh, we got to keep moving. Are there answers in the Word? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 2 Timothy 3.13. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. I think we can see that, can't we? But you continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the what? The what? Now see, when he said this, Timothy hadn't been written yet. It's in the process of being written. And so much of the New Testament hadn't been written yet. When, when the Bible, New Testament's talking about the Holy Scriptures, a lot of times it's talking about what we call the Old Testament. Holy Scriptures. Is the Old Testament Holy Scriptures? Holy Scriptures. Which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All Scripture. I want you to say those two words with me. All Scripture. How much Scripture? All Scripture. Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Psalms, Ezekiel. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Is is this the New Testament? Is he talking to believers? It's profitable for us. What's profitable? All scripture. For doctrine, that's teaching, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Is this for New Testament people? Yes. All scripture. Somebody say all scripture. All scripture. Now keep reading. This wasn't written in chapter and verse 4 and 1. says, I charge you therefore, because of what he's just said. I charge you 
before God and the Lord Jesus who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Is he coming? Is he going to straighten everything out? Thank God. But he said, I charge you, preach the word. What word? He just got through saying holy scriptures and all scripture. That's what he means when he says the word. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine teaching of the what? Word. Scriptures. Holy scriptures. Word. Preach it. Minister it. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they'll turn away their ears from the truth, from the scriptures, and be turned to fables. Now how many know if the word says it, that's what's going to happen? And I think we can see it happening. Can we see these things coming to pass? Right before our eyes. And I've seen just in the past 40 some years. Phyllis and I have been in the ministry. I've seen things go the wrong way. Where this is concerned. A decreasing respect for the word of God. And a more embracing of beliefs. That are actually contradicted. By the word of God. Let me read this to you from some other translations. The Amplified says it like this. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable. Convince them. Rebuking, correcting, warning and urging and encourage them. With unflagging and exhaustible patience and teaching. For the time is coming. When people will not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction. They won't tolerate teaching based on the Bible. I saw a woman on the news a while back. And she was livid. She's just cussing and and, and just better. She said... I'm sick and tired of people blankety-blank telling me about the Bible. It's in the Bible. I don't care blankety-blank about the Bible. That's the age we're living in. And there are a lot of people you would think, well, man, if they know the truth, you know, then they they would change. Uh Uh-uh. They don't care about the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. And you quoting scripture to them means nothing to them. And that's not a good world. That's not a good place. And we can't control everybody. You know what we can do though? We can make up our mind. Is that right? That our final authority is the word of God. We don't care what anybody says or they don't say. We are refusing to be conformed to this ungodly world. We're not trying to push our beliefs off on everybody, but we're not going to let you push your unbelief off on us either. Now, we know what we believe. And it's not my opinion or your opinion. It's a, it is written. It is written. 
It is written. People say, well, I got a right to my beliefs as much as you. Not if you're a, a Christian. Not if you're a child of God. We, we're not, we don't have a right to invent things that are contrary to the word. If he's, Jesus is our Lord, we're to believe what he told us to believe. We're to believe his word and conform everything else to it. It said, the time will come. They won't tolerate sound and wholesome instruction. They'll have ears itching and they'll gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number to satisfy their own liking and foster the errors they hold. They will seek out teachers that tell them what they want to believe, not the word. That's already happening. And they will turn aside from hearing the truth which is the scripture, the word, and they'll wander off into myths and man-made fictions. The complete Jewish Bible says they'll stop listening to the truth. The living Bible says there'll come a time when people won't listen to the truth. They won't listen to what the Bible says, but they'll follow their own misguided ideas. It's just a reality that a lot of even churches and ministers preach a lot of things that are not the word. And people tend to gravitate to churches that share their spirituality or their level of commitment. And, you know, if you're not willing to submit to the word of God then you don't want to go somewhere where they're telling you about the word all the time. (laughs) It's irritating. It's annoying. But if you want to build your life on the solid rock, the sure foundation that will withstand the storms in life, nothing will do that except it is written. It is written And if the Word of God is not your standard and not your foundation, then all that's left are the opinions of men. That's it. And what makes one man or woman's opinion better than another? And you'll find the opinions of men are always changing. But the Word of God, never. Oh, don't you like it? Never. Never changes. Go with me, if you would, to Psalm 119. Uh, The entire, this is the longest chapter in the Bible. And you know what every verse is about? The Word of God. Every verse. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119. And every verse is about the Word, about the Scripture. And I won't read the whole thing, but if you haven't read it before, let me encourage you. Take time and read it carefully. And, and before you read it, pray this prayer. Before you read Psalm 119, you, you say, Lord, I love your word. I respect your word. Let the love and honor and reverence for your word come into me stronger as I read this. And then read it in faith. Read it out loud. It won't take but just a few minutes. Read it out loud and you'll find it does something to your insides. It's changing you. 
Psalm 119, I just want you to notice this aspect that he keeps on reemphasizing. Verse 89, Psalm 119, 89, says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now see, when this was written, there was no New Testament. Is that right? There was no New Testament. When this was written. So what word is he talking about? What we call. The Old Testament. Now that's a title. And that's. What we call the Old Testament is more. Than description of the Old Covenant. There's a lot more in there. There's the account of creation. There's the prophets and Psalms. There's chronicles. There's all kind of things. But what the Lord helped me to see. And you're going to be hearing more of this out of me. Because this is a life-changing revelation that happened to me a couple of years ago. I was out on the road and uh, quiet in my room getting ready for the service. And the Lord showed me. Now if you'd have asked me the day before, do you know, you have respect for the Word of God. I'd say I think probably about as much as anybody. And the Lord showed me. Took re- it takes revelation to see these things that I didn't respect what we call the Old Testament as much as the New. That I I saw it as a secondary word to the New Testament. I wouldn't have said that. But he opened my eyes to see and that somehow I didn't think it applied to us as much. Most of the church believes that and sees it that way, but that's absolutely wrong. I said it's wrong. God's word spoken by God is eternal. And it was right when he said it. It's right today. It will always be right. And you hear people speaking derogatorily even of the law. Especially folks who preach, and there's a lot of folks who do this nowadays, what they call grace, and it's really grace only. Grace only. What do you mean? Oh, we're not under the law. Well, that's technically correct. But they leave the impression that nothing basically in the Old Testament has any, because that's all, you know, all those sacrifices and all that blood and all that stuff. Whew, thank God we're not in the Old Testament. Mm. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. We don't offer blood sacrifices because Jesus offered the final blood sacrifice. It has been fulfilled. Yeah, well, they were, you know, they'd, somebody commit adultery, they'd stone them and kill them. I mean, that's, we don't still do that, do we? No, but the only reason is because Jesus died in our place. He was, full judgment fell on him. He paid the price. For ours. Come on, can you see this? And that has been fulfilled. But that doesn't mean that what God said is no longer true and valid and right and perfect. Hold your place to Psalm 119. Go to Romans, the third chapter. Romans chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Well, I'll do it this way. Put up Romans 7, 12. You go to 3, or I guess you can turn back and forth. It's not too hard. Romans 7, 12 says, the law is holy. This is the New Testament talking about the law. It's holy and it's just and it's good. Not it was. It is. Everybody said out loud. The law is holy and just and good. It always was. It always will be. Why? God spoke it. He said it. There was never anything wrong with the law. It was that people couldn't keep it. They failed to keep it. That's what the problem was. Go to the third chapter and the 31st verse. And this, if you'll accept it, this answers a lot of questions. Is Romans in the New Testament. Romans 3.31. Do we then make void the law through faith? If you just stop right there. A lot of people would tell you yes. If they didn't know the rest of the verse, a lot of church-going people today, especially folks that emphasize grace, and grace is one of the most wonderful things you could ever talk about, but grace is really not our part. Grace is God's part. It's what He has done. And you don't have to work on Him to get Him to do His part. (laughs) Our part is faith. That's our part. That's the part we need. We need to know about his grace. Absolutely. We need to hear about it and know about it on a regular basis. But that's not our part to work on. Our part, no matter what God has given, you won't enjoy it unless it is received. And faith is how you receive. Do we make void the law through faith? What's the answer? No, we do not. We what? We establish. Say what? Let me read some of the translations. The we says, are we making the law of none effect through faith? Let not such a thing be considered. We're establishing the law. Holman says, do we cancel the law through faith? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we uphold the law. What do you mean? People say, well, we're... We're not under the law anymore. The scripture says you're not under the law if you're led by the Spirit. And like we studied in in Romans and other places last week, even if you never read the Old Testament, if you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit and you'll pray and listen to Him, He will lead you to do the things that are there. The righteousness that's revealed in the law, even if you never heard it, never knew it. But if you're not led by the Spirit, you'd be better off led by the law than just fleshing out doing nothing. Because thou shalt not murder is still right. Still good. You worship no other gods before me. How many things? Still right. Still right. But see what some folks have done if they say, well, yeah, I guess that's okay. But what about the rest of it? If that's still good, why is the rest of it no good? All scripture. Somebody say all scripture. Say it again. All scripture. Is good. Given by inspiration. Of God. That means it's God breathed. 
He used human instruments, but it didn't come from human instruments. It came from him through them. And it is all true and right. All of it. All of it. And so when the word of God, like with this man living with his uh, stepmother, the word of God had already said. Leviticus said it. Deuteronomy said it. Other places said it. Dedicated verses. You are not to have or uncover the nakedness of is what it says. In other words, you're not to have sex. You're not to be involved with your stepmother. Is that anything then you need to pray about? Was it right when God said it? (laughs) Was it still right at the church at Corinth? Yeah. But can you see? The scripture said they were puffed up. What does that mean? Puffed up. Proud. Of what? Proud that they were so enlightened because of grace. That they knew even though the scripture had said that and forbidden that. We can ignore the scriptures. Because we're not under the law. We're under grace. And the spirit of God through Paul jerked them up and spanked them. And said you put them out right now. Because if you don't, it's going to spread like yeast. And the next thing you know, you're going to have all kind of perversions throughout the church. Because flesh is flesh. Am I reading scriptures? Go to Matthew, please. Now, uh, we just got through reading, and, and I understand that taking the scripture literally and letting it be final authority is just too much for some people. They don't like it. They don't want it. And some folks, they'll look for somebody that preaches more like they want to believe. Not talking about you. (laughs) You must be pretty strong on the word or you wouldn't even be in here. But isn't it wonderful that it takes it out of your opinion or my opinion? I mean, it liberates us from all that. And it doesn't change from decade to decade or generation. It doesn't matter who's in office. It doesn't matter what's popular in in media or anything else. It is forever settled. Woo! Forever settled. (laughs) 3,000 years ago, it was wrong to move in with your stepmother. (laughs) Guess what? It's still, it's still, I don't care how much grace you preach, it's still wrong. Is that right? If the Lord tears another thousand years, what? It'll still be wrong. Still be wrong to uh, move in with your stepmother. (laughs) But how many understand, we're not just talking about stepmother. We're talking about everything else that all the scriptures, all the word of God says Was right, is right, always will be right. Matthew 15, are you there? Verse 1. Then came to Jesus the scribes and Pharisees. Now the scribes are, these are the educated people. These are the guys that have the multiple doctorates in theology. They are considered the experts in this area on the scriptures and they have come to call Jesus to task 
<laughs> they, they messed up, didn't they? Yeah. They came to straighten Jesus out. <laughs> and, and if you understand Jesus, you should sit down by the side and go, this will be fun to watch. Watch, watch this. <laughs> they said, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. Jesus answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Now, uh, this is a big deal. And don't you think this is just something old that happened a long time ago. This is big, big stuff right now today. Tradition versus the word. And, and don't, don't be haughty and think that you are completely 100% tradition free. That's a big statement. So you pick up tradition throughout your whole life without even realizing it. You picked up some tradition when you were three and four years old. And especially depending on where you went to church or didn't go to church, it'd be, uh, you know, too optimistic to think that everything you ever heard preached was 100% pure Word of God. <laughs> I wish I could say that about myself. I'm aspiring to that. But, you know, one person said this years ago. I think it's an interesting thing. They said they think all sermons should have spiritual nutrition labels on them. <laughs> and if they were accurate, it would say 10% filler. 15% hype. 20% tradition. Mm. And then maybe the rest of it word, hopefully. In a lot of places, you might not get 2% word. And if you as a hearer, if you don't know the word, you don't know whether you're getting word or not. And you hear people quote things like it's scripture. Isn't that what this scribe is doing? He's saying about the, the washing. Why don't your disciples wash their hands like we do? We saw them come in and sit down and eat and they didn't even wash their hands. Because you know cleanliness is <laughs> next to God, God. Not a scripture. Is that right? Now, now, why am I talking about this? Because these things are so subtle. And the problem is, if you have believed something all your life, and you've heard everybody around you say it for 40 years, you may think it's Bible. You may think it's Scripture. Especially if you're ignorant of Scripture. You think, well, I just leave that to the preachers. I mean, that's too hard for me to understand. Anyway, no, no, no. Do you not know? Have you not been around? 
everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. Why do I emphasize it? Why do I talk about that? Because I don't want you fooled. I don't want you believing a bunch of junk that's even contrary to the Bible and you can't even tell the difference. You got to know the word for yourself. For yourself. You need to be examining everything you hear me say. Everything that comes out of my mouth and any other teacher, preacher, you need to be checking it. Check Where's that at? Where's that at in the scripture? Where's that at in the word? And not just some half phrase that somebody twisted and added a bunch of junk to it. If it's really truth, you'll find it throughout the scriptures and you can rightly divide. He said, why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Are you seeing they're holding up their tradition like it's scripture? And they think they can challenge him about tradition. I had a lady come up to me one day years ago after I'd preached. And uh, she was shaking her head when she came up. And she said, no, 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 now. It's just like the song says. I said, the what? She said, it's just like the song says. And she quoted verse 3 of an unbelieving song to me. That that's why she didn't believe what I had just said. I read four scriptures to her. To the crowd. About that thing. But see she had more faith. In the song. Than she did the word. She said it's, no it's like the song says. No dear. Just because somebody wrote a song. And other folks cried when they heard it. Does not make it true. Does not make it right. Just because you heard 40 preachers preach on it. Doesn't make it true. Just because millions of people believe it. It doesn't make it true. Jesus said. Thy word. Is truth. Hallelujah. Forever settled. That's the only thing. That you can know absolutely. Is 100% True, right, sure, never change, not even subject to change. There will be no updates to the Word of God. No version 2.0. Ever. If anybody comes out with it, save you money. He said, why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? God commanded saying, he gave him an example. God said, honor your father and mother. He that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, now let's just stop right there. Is this Old Testament? Yeah. Honor your father and mother. Yeah. yeah, that's Exodus and Deuteronomy. Is that still good today? Yeah. yeah. Is it any less true than when God said it the first time? Any less right? No. Should we just ignore it? That's what they did. He said, God commanded, honor your father and mother, and he that curses the father and mother, let him die the death. But you say, whoever will say to his father and mother, it's a gift, by whatever you might be profited by me, and honor not his father and mother, 
or do something for them materially and financially, he'll be free. Thus you have made the commandment of God of non-effect by your tradition. Other translations say you've canceled out the word of God. You have made the word of God of no authority. Isn't that exactly what the church at Corinth did? It was written. You don't cohabit with your stepmother. But what they say, well, yeah, but we know under grace, under the new covenant, all things are permissible. Making the word of God of none effect. How many know the Holy Spirit of God is never going to tell you that what he said in times past is no longer true and no longer right? That's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Well, this supersedes that, and now you can ignore all that. Somebody starts talking like that, that's when you need to start tuning out. Changing the channel. Mm -mm. No. Truth is always truth. Forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.